I'm Dr. Nadine Gonzalez de Jesus, president of San Antonio College. Today with us, we have Dr. Adina Williams-Lawston, 14th president of St. Philip's College within the Alamo Colleges District. And welcome back to Front and Center, where we talk about San Antonio College news, trends in higher education, and the community, because we are the community. Joined here this morning with Dr. Nadine Gonzalez de Jesus. Good morning. Good morning, Hot Mustard. How are you today? We're having a wonderful February here at San Antonio College. Indeed, indeed. And actually, this is Black History Month, and we're super excited that we have with us Dr. Adina Williams-Lawston, 14th president of St. Philip's College. Good morning, Dr. Lawson. Good morning. Good morning to all of you. I am so excited to be here with my sister and colleague as we share what's happening on our campuses for Black History Month. Absolutely. So, Dr. Lawson, many of us, we know you as the queen of St. Philip's <laughs> College, right? But in reality, I would like for you to tell us a bit more about who is Dr. Adina williams Lawson. Dr. Adina Williams-Lawston is the product of Tommy Lee Williams Sr. and Frances Perlene Miller Williams from Vicksburg, Mississippi, from the segregated South where I grew up. So I've got lots of history to tell you, things about black history. But most importantly, my parents, my father was an advocate of Booker T. Washington, and my mother was an advocate of William Edward Barnhart Du Bois. So we know those are iconic figures, Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois in black history. Wonderful. That is excellent. Exciting, exciting to know that you have such a strong history. Yes, I can give you lots of experiences of growing up in the South. But the one thing that was most poignant for me is my father, how my father taught us and my mother how to deal with racism and prejudice growing up in the South. My father was the first black master licensed plumber in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and he charged people according to the way they talked to his children. Oh, I like that. Yes. So when they called and they asked for his services for plumbing, they may refer to us with that favorite N-word. And depending upon the number of times that they called or they used that word, daddy would say, I have a special price just for you. <laughs> and so depending upon, we had to write down everything they said to us uh-huh. and how they called us little ends. Yes. And so he would, the price would elevate depending upon the number of times they called his children out of their names. So that was him restoring I our see. dignity. Yes, yes. Based upon, and people were smiling and happy when daddy said, I have a special price just for you. But we knew he was restoring our dignity. That's right. That's right. How interesting to know that um, through all of that, uh, you grew up in the South. You grew up at a time in which there was a lot of um, of racism. Segregation, segregate, Jim Crow. Segregation. Yes. However, from all of that, you rose. I have evolved. Every, every job, until I came to St. Philip's College, every job I ever had in my entire professional career, I was either the first black or the only black in that position. Arkansas State University, I was the first black female instructor that they hired. When I went to Houston Community College, I was the only black supervisor over instruction. They had over other blacks, but we were not over instruction. I went to Georgia State University as the associate professor at Georgia State. 
the first black and only black in that department. I went to California as a dean. I was the first black instructional dean in Santa Monica College. Then I went to El Paso to head a campus. I was the first black to head a campus in El Paso. Went to become president at Sandra Center College South in Houston, the first black president there. Left there and went to NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration in Washington, D.C., and I was the highest-ranking African-American female in the agency. And it wasn't until I came to St. Philip's College that I followed another African-American to have held that job. So I got a lot of black history. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. How exciting is that just to know that someone as yourself is actually the leader of St. Philip's College? I I count it a privilege. It's a mission assignment. And I know with all degree of 100% certainty that I'm in the right place. That's I'm wonderful. Where I'm supposed to be. So, so I must say that uh, I know I've worked uh, within the district for about a year and uh, a few months now. I have truly enjoyed working with you. I, I love getting to know you. The first time we met for, I invited you to lunch and you yes. brought your children. So it started out as a family affair. <laughs> so I was so excited about that. Absolutely. So Black History Month, Black History yes. Month. I, I would like to hear a bit more about the history the founding history of St. Philip's College. Thank you. Well, the Bishop James Steptoe Johnson, uh, bishop with the West Texas Diocesan Council, was this premier signature uh, leader in this effort. There was the first black Episcopal church, St. Philip's Episcopal Church. It was the first black Episcopal church in San Antonio, and they were about creating um, opportunities for individuals that were coming out of slavery. So they started this Saturday evening sewing class. And by the way, my first job was a seamstress. So there's an alignment there. Yes. So we started, they started this uh, St. Philip's Episcopal Church in 1895, started the Saturday evening sewing class. The bishop decided to enhance that by changing it from a Saturday evening sewing class to a grammar school. And so he set about a mission of finding someone that could move the school from being a sewing class to a grammar school, a full-fledged grammar school. Traveled around, and he went to Brunswick, Georgia, where he met Artemisia Bowden at St. Ignatius. And they recommended her as the individual that would be the one to provide leadership and be a role model for young girls. So gave her $23 and sent her to come on the train to San Antonio. And so she came here on the train, not knowing her. They even asked, the bishop was so specific that he asked her to put a red ribbon, one inch in size, on her left shoulder so when she got off the train, they could recognize her. And he brought her in, and she was attentive to the assignment. Not only was she attentive to the assignment, I always share this when I'm talking to leaders, because she took the assignment that he gave her and exponentially expanded that assignment. She didn't just stick with a grammar school because now we are a full-fledged college. And by the way, not only a full-fledged college, we are now able to offer a baccalaureate degree, just like you, in leading the way. But we started out as a grammar school, and then Artemisium carried it to an industrial school, then a vocational school, and then a community college. Fifteen years as a principal, then a president for 15 years, And then she passed. But moving from the assignment that the bishop gave her to creating a community college. And so there's a lot more to say about that. But but this is um, 
an individual he did select the right person. She provided leadership for 52 years. And by the way, you're wearing pearls. Yes. Artemisia Bowden wore pearls every day for 52 years. So truly an iconic role model in all the ways for the young girls that started. But by the end of the first graduating class, and by the way, we had three individuals in the first graduating class that Artemisia oversaw. One had a degree in cooking, one had a degree in sewing, and Miss Minnie Mead had a double major with a degree in cooking and sewing. I like that. I yes. like that. So the courses that you had at first uh, were in sewing? And cooking. And yes. cooking. Yes. Now, could you talk a bit about what else do you offer at St. Philip's College? Well, we have a signature culinary arts program <laughs> that has exemplary <laughs> status from the American Culinary Federation, and we celebrate that because it has brought us many accolades, and we are not preparing students for being a short-order cook. We're talking about chefs, sous chefs. We're talking about people that are owning their own businesses, managers. And that program has evolved even into hotel management, restaurant management. The hotel management is also an accredited program. So we have totally evolved from our original ethos. But one of the things that was important for Artemisia Bowden and let me stay, St. Artemisia Bowden, because um, she ultimately was involved and became a saint. But one of the things that was important to her is that the students would have marketable skills and leadership. And so that was always important to her, that they have marketable skills and leadership. And so we have evolved. A part of our history was we're anchored, you and I, through history. St. Philip's College and San Antonio College formed the Alamo Community College District. We were the two schools that formed the district back in the 40s when the state of Texas said that they would establish community colleges. And in doing so, the two of us formed and we created the, the district. But during that period of time in the 40s, um, we were dealt the hand that, that was out there. You were created as the trans—you had the transfer mission— and I had the vocational mission. Right. And as a result of that, your focus was to transfer students into the university. Mine was to prepare students to go into the workforce. Mm -hmm. So we have a significant number of workforce programs in addition to the transfer mission, but we are strong in workforce, in particular every area, from allied health. Uh, we have over 16 different accrediting bodies, whether it's automotive, whether it's aircraft technology, and now business information salutes uh, business Cybersecurity, we are offering uh, now, we have the authority to offer a baccalaureate degree. Congratulations. Yeah, I say I'm stepping, stepping into history. Yes, you are. To complete the mission that Artemisia started. That's exactly she it. She got us to a two-year institution, and now we're at a four-year. Yes, yes, that degree, deserves so. a round yes. of applause for sure, for Thank sure. You. Now, it's my understanding that um, your college is also an HBCU and an HSI. Yes. We were founded in HBCU, people must understand, because we're not, it's a historically black college. We will always be historically black. We were founded as an institution to provide services and educational opportunities and career pathways for blacks. And then the Hispanic serving piece also came in the late 1989, I believe, where we also stepped into our history and recognized who's present at St. Philip's College. So if more than 25% of your student body has representation of Hispanics, then you are eligible for the dual designation. So we have the distinction of being an historically black, 
though we are no longer predominantly black, we will always be historically black because that's how we were established. And then we now have the HSI distinction of being an Hispanic-serving institution. And those are dual designations that come to us from the White House in terms of recognizing who we are. And we carry that distinction as the only college in the nation that proudly steps into that distinction. Others probably can, but we acknowledge it, celebrate, and it's who we are. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's my understanding also that St. Philip's College, according to Intelligent.com, has been acknowledged as number 18 in 2024 within the top 50 community colleges in Texas. Well, number 18. Number 18 and climbing. And climbing. That's right. <laughs> and climbing. <laughs> but we're so excited about that. We have uh, celebrated all of the recognitions that we have. Not only do we are being recognized as number 18, I keep saying, and, and climbing in the state of Texas. However, when we talk about the accolades and being recognized in the South, also we have that recognition as the number one HBCU. But we also have a very special designation that's a part of our four-year degree, the baccalaureate degree in cybersecurity, because we carry the designation of being a center of excellence in cyber defense. And that comes to us from the National uh, Security Agency and Homeland Security. And we have carried that distinction since 2011. And, and what does that entail? Oh, it says that we are recognized for the certifications that we offer, the degrees that we offer, the students transferring into the workforce ready with the skill sets and the certifications that are recognized. And so with that, they have certain markers that institutions have to meet. And so we have met all of those since 2011. But I claim it on the strength of the individuals that have been a part of us, Uh, that have made sure that the programs that we offer are aligned and in tune with industry certifications. So when the students walk away and leave us, they are ready to step into the job market at, we don't do minimum wage, at a living wage. And in this career field, they're starting out in the 60s, but they will quickly get to the six-figure salary in no time Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what I like about that is that you do not have to pay a lot of money in order for you to receive an education from St. Philip's College, but the earnings are exponential. Yes. So when people are asking, so where did you, where did the students go to work? I started maybe about at least eight years ago, Tim, we started a top 50 list every mm-hmm. semester of where the students are going to work. So I can just say, when they say, where do your students go? I've, I've got it ready. I hand it to them. Right. And so we share that where the students are going to work from all of the disciplines, the workforce disciplines. And That's then, excellent. Of course, you know that we track where the students transfer to when they leave us. Yes. Of course, the number one transfer institution for students from St. Philip's College is UTSA, which is locally here. Then we start with the next one being Texas State, and then the third one being UT Austin. Then we have Texas A&M College Station. College Station, okay. Yes, and then UIW. I see, I see. So so our students, they start at St. Philip's College. Yes. And that is just the start of the rest of their lives. That is just the beginning. But, you know, and I like to say that we... We create career pathways. One of the things that whether the students, because the students come to us academically capable and academically challenged. Yes. And so, but we have a place for you at St. Philip's College. 
For those students that are academically capable, they can sail through, they become our honor students. But those students that are academically challenged, what I've said since day one when I came, it is up to us to provide them with, they have career goals and aspirations. So it is up to us to provide them with the career ladder to get them on the path if they're not quite ready. And that's what we've been doing because the students, when we established St. Phillips College, individuals were coming to us with marginalized note skills. And so for more than 100 years, we've been creating career ladders to get them on their career pathway. And that is for more than 100 years. This year, on on the 1st of March of 2024, you will start your year 126. We will be stepping into our 126th year. We have been this year celebrating our Quasqua Centennial, 125 years in existence. So we've had lots of activities that have been taking place that support us and our 125th. So stepping into history now, starting a whole nother millennium of yes. 126 years. That's amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So so I understand St. Philip's will be 126 years old or years young, whichever your perspective is. Oh, young. We're just getting started. There you go. <laughs> I like that. I like that attitude, Dr. Okay. Lawson. <laughs> All right. We're young. So with that in mind, could you tell us a bit about the importance of being an HBCU? Why being an HBCU is so important? Because my people were denied the opportunity to attend, to register, to seek out a higher education opportunity in what we might call mainstream institutions. We were simply denied. We had to fight through court battles. James Meredith, to go to the, because I'm from Mississippi, we had to fight to get into the mainstream organization, institutions, white institutions, predominantly white. So we created our own for educating our own. And that's why they're so significant. And in creating our own, when we look at the pathways and where did the judges, the doctors, the lawyers, where are they graduating, where were they coming from? It was from the historically black colleges. When one door closes, when the doors close, you create your own. Thank you so much for explaining the importance of being a historically black college. With that in mind, I think it's important that we also share um, how to get in touch with someone at St. Phillips. And that would be by calling 210-21-ALAMO. That is, again, 210-21-2566. So this month is Black History Month. It's Black History Month. And what are some of the events that you'll be having at St. Philip's College on Black History Month? Okay, so we've already gotten started because we're now <laughs> kicking this. We're in the, the beginning of February. But some of the things that we have going on now and that we have already celebrated. Well, let me just start. We celebrated already the voices of the students. We started that on Monday, giving students an opportunity to have voice in how they would describe race and ethnicity. And then we had the quilting project for a woman that was telling, Deborah Woods, who was telling her story for more than 20 years, how she crafted the art of telling the story and the uh, issues that we dealt with through fibers and quilting. And then coming up on February the 12th, we also have the African-American read-in in the library on the first floor. That's from 2 to 2.50. And then Black History Cahoots, where the students participate in a trivia Kahoot competition, and that's in our student center, and that is going to be on February 13th from 11 to 1. But also during that time is our signature soul food taste put on by our culinary students. So you have a choice (laughs) of either ribs, 
catfish or fried chicken. And Delicious. so, listen, they line up an hour before the event starts. So if you want soul food, you better get there early because <laughs> you have the line literally is in people are in place one hour before this starts. So that's also February 13th at 12 noon in the Tourism, Hospitality and Culinary Arts Building on the fourth floor. Then alive at the library. This is really exciting. On February 21st, we will have characters in garb dressed in that period of time, but iconic figures for St. Philip's College, and they will come alive and be talking to the guests. Of course, we'll have Bishop James Steptoe Johnson. We'll have Artemisia Bowden. We'll have William Allen Hudgens. We'll have Dr. Norris, who was the fourth president. They've got, I'm told, with celebrating on the 125th, they have 125 characters. So come to the library, alive at the library. It's promises to be one-of-a-kind event, and it will be uh, most memorable as we talk about people that have shaped the character uh, throughout the years, the character of the college throughout the years. So an extraordinary opportunity to witness history, living history. Yes. Then, of course, we all know about the color purple on February 22nd, so that we, they will be discussing the color purple and celebrating the color purple in our student center uh, at 1.30 on February 22nd. And then, most importantly, our hidden conversations we have Michelle Norris, who will be at St. Philip's College on February 26th. And this is for all of our students across the district. It will be in the St. Bowden Building, February 26th, from 1215 to 1.30. She is a person that sent out, invited people to respond to postcards from across the nation to talk about their experiences of race and ethnicity in six words. And so I happened to see it on CBS. Gail King was interviewing her. And they were talking about some of the cards that they received. It's a hidden conversation. So one person sent in the card saying that my grandparents met in the KKK rally. Another person sent in a card saying, my black boyfriend came, grandma called the police. Uh-huh. These are hidden conversations. So yes. she's going to come. She's produced a book. And so she will be sharing with our students, inviting them to recreate that experience giving them a postcard and saying in six words, hidden conversations, what do you say about race and ethnicity and your experiences? So will it be a time to recreate that opportunity, but just for us? So I'm looking forward to it, and this is how we conclude. And I do know that she will also be speaking that evening at the Carver Center at 7 p.m. Exciting, exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you, if you were to... Think of six words. Oh my God. How would Dr. Lawson describe no, her experience with race and ethnicity in the United States? Understanding your history, understanding all of the uh, events that your parents, that you as a child had to go through, and now the president of the only HBCU and HSI higher education institution in the United States. So if you were to describe your experience with race and ethnicity in six words, what would you say? The journey continues. We're not done. And if I amplify that, let me start with, you see the behaviors. You see the behaviors of leaders that seemingly want to take us back And let me say, some leaders have utterly forgotten that they're supposed to be role models for our children. Yes. And and so they act out in ways that evokes 
hatred, division, divisiveness. Yes. Um, it's it's just so frustrating and unbelievable. But some of these things and these people are celebrated, and they aspire to carry uh, some of the positions the highest in our nation, and and they they seek out those positions where their voices can continue to be amplified. But we've seen people killed as a result, people assaulted as a result, people attacked as a result. Um, And so we're not done yet. And that's the thing that is so disturbing on so many levels for us. I think if we could just remember that we're supposed to be role models for our children, then that could corral and and dial back some of these behaviors, some of this language that they use. Um, Because it seems as though when leaders in elevated positions engage in this divisiveness, it allows other people to follow that. Or they say, now I have free license to say what I really, really feel. And, and so that, in some cases, has, been da- has become dangerous. And then we're not done yet. In our own state, in the state of Texas, do not, as a president, promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can say them separately, but you can't do it to get those words together. And so it's like we're going backwards, back to where we were, what my experiences were growing up, segregating, separating, rather than elevating and bringing people together. I see more of a divisiveness, and that's disturbing. And that's why I come to um, the journey continues, or in some people's mind, the struggle continues. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so it appears to me that what you're describing is what many of us as higher ed institution presidents, what we encounter, right? Yes. You know, we, we are all charged with, as president, we want to make sure that there's equitable student outcomes, regardless Absolutely. of your zip code, regardless of where you're coming from, regardless of your experiences, that you can have an equitable student outcome for all of the students. Right. But I liken it to when we first started St. Phillips College, we were dealing with students that were marginalized, uh, disenfranchised, not even first-class citizens. But right. So we had to provide case management to make sure that they could be successful in their chosen career fields. We're doing that now. Students are coming to us housing insecure, food insecure. Uh, They're needing transportation. They are parent students, so they're going to have to address what do I do with my child if if I'm trying to pursue a degree. And then also we're looking at making sure that these individuals that are coming to us that are not quite ready for college, that we prepare them. So I'm going back to where we started. From the original establishment of St. Philip's College, and that's that's where we are now. We're doing what we've been doing for 100 years, and it's now making sure that we have advocacy centers where the students can go and get food for a day, no questions asked. We have fields then to provide them with clothing. All of these things that we had to do in 1898, we're doing them in 2024. That's right. That's right. Yes. And And with that, we're grateful to the partners that come alongside us, right? Yes. Such as HEB. Could you talk to me about the donation that you recently received from HEB? Yes. Well, the donation that we recently received on December the 19th was a million-dollar donation that we are very, very excited about to support our Black Box Theater. But let me say this. HEB has been supporting St. Phillips for more than 20-some years uh, because before this donation, they had already been, they started, even before I came, there were donations from HBCU back in 2003. And then since I came, they were making a $50,000 donation for the HEB Heroes 
uh, giving the student scholarship grants. So we've been doing that since I've been here. Now I'm stepping into my 17th year, but they were making the $50,000 donation. So the 50000 has continued. And then the million dollar was also now to support the infrastructure to help students elevate their skills in the area of the arts. And this is African-American in the arts. This is the theme yes. of Black History Month. So HEB is always ahead of the curve. They've been great partners with us in making sure that the students have access to a career pathway where they are clearing the path by providing the financial resources that are needed. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much. So once again, Dr. Adina Williams-Loston, thank you so much for your time. I am so honored that you decided to accept our invite. Um, you've really, really blessed us with your presence this morning. Well, I am so excited that my sister president <laughs> invited me, This gave me this opportunity to come and share. I'm loving having you as a member of the team and being here and welcoming you to San Antonio. And so I look forward to us having many, many, many more experiences together. And Thank you. Uniting in this, in this work. Yes, ma'am. higher education. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Front and Center, recorded at the KSYM Studios on the San Antonio College campus. Front and Center is available on Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and airs Monday mornings at 8.30 on KSYM 90.1 FM in San Antonio. More information on Front and Center is online at ksym.org.